0: Welcome to the Beef Brunch Educational Series podcast, bringing you information on cattle production and management in Louisiana and surrounding states. Okay, hey, hi everyone. Um, thank you for joining us for our Beef Brunch Educational Series this month. Uh, my name is Ashley Edwards, and I'm an assistant extension agent and coordinator for animal science programs in the LSU Ag Center. Uh, I do want to apologize for our technical difficulties that we had when we were trying to have this as a live event. But with us today, we're really excited to have Mr. Brian Miller. He's the Assistant Director for the Louisiana Department of Ag and Forestry State Meat and Poultry Inspection Program. And he's going to be visiting with us um, on some different marketing avenues for beef in Louisiana. So I know this has been a a hot topic for a while. uh, And I think it's grown a little bit this past year with everything um, going on with COVID. And we saw definitely an influx or an increase um, in the amount of beef being processed here locally within the state. So, with that, Brian, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, You should be able to begin whenever you're ready.
1: All right. Thank you, Dr. Edwards. Um, As she said, my name is Brian Miller, uh, Assistant Director of the state's Meat and Poultry Inspection Program. And uh, basically, what we do, uh, we staff meat and poultry processing slaughter facilities all around the state. And and regulate product that's moving in commerce. Um, What we do in the inspection facilities is uh, our inspectors go in and oversee operations. Um, We consider ourselves the eyes and the ears of the public. We go into places that generally the public uh, isn't allowed to go, uh, usually because a lot of these places don't have retail markets. So, uh, What we do is maintain the standards that the general public expects to see uh, so that these places produce a wholesome safe product that's properly labeled. Um, So it's half food safety, half consumer protection. um, And you know, generally we have a very good working relationship with those facilities and uh, you know, we all have the same goal in mind. That's uh, to produce a safe product so. Uh, As far as this presentation goes specifically, what I would like to do is share with y'all how to uh, take any animals that you're raising and actually bring them to market legally. Uh, So, as you see, we have steps to selling beef in Louisiana. Um, This is, as of the the current time, what our standards are. Uh, We, as a state program, are partially funded and have cooperative agreements with USDA, Uh, so we function as the state version of USDA with this. But what that means is that we also follow USDA policies and regulations. We've adopted those regulations as our own. Uh, We just might implement them a little bit differently. We have some different policies. Generally, what we like to do is uh, focus a lot more on outreach and helping small businesses get started, that sort of thing, but still enforcing the regulations that are in place. So as part of that outreach effort, um, we like to do things like this and just help out the community, answer a lot of questions. And uh, I I personally enjoy cutting through a lot of the red tape and trying to simplify what is a very complicated process. Um, So, if I can do anything as far as answering specific questions for any of you, I would like to do that. Uh, so you can let me know. I will have my contact information at the end of this. But, you know, if any of y'all don't make it to the end, uh, my number is 225-922-1358. It's the number for our office. Or you can email me at B-M-I-L-L-E-R. That's B Miller at l a Dot gov. And that's LDAF as in Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry. So we'll go ahead and get started here. Um, so where do we start? Well, we start with the basics here. What we're going to look at is where generally uh, people who are looking to sell beef um, where you get started and you've got to figure out a few things before you jump into it. And the, uh, the best way when you're getting started is to start off with learning the industry. Uh, some people, uh, I know that I, that I speak to have a very thorough understanding of the industry. Some of them don't, but it's really tough to get going if you don't know the marketplace. So some of these items, just generally speaking, uh, we recommend to people is check with their trade organizations, whether it be American Association of Meat Processors or Cattlemen's Association, um, extension services, academia, government organizations, business associates they might have, private consultants, um, anything like that where you can gather some information would be very helpful. I know uh, like this will be at some point Uh, YouTube is an excellent uh, resource as well. So we always encourage people to get a good understanding form that baseline understanding of the industry uh, before they get into it. But uh, after that is when we come in and we can really help. So. Determining your path. uh, One thing you need to know is what you'd like to do uh, and who your regulatory agency is gonna be when you do that. Are you exempt? Or if you do fall under a regulatory agency, what do you need to do? I get lots of questions on, you know, what kind of permits I need uh, to get started, what type of inspection, that sort of thing. Well, hopefully this, this uh, presentation will help you figure that out. So we've got some key questions here uh, that I like to ask people uh, before we get started. So starting with the first one, are you the processor or uh, a producer slash private labeler? So the processor being the person, the actual butcher is cutting the meat. Are you looking to open a facility or are you looking to bring your live animals to another facility to have them processed? That's going to determine a lot on the type of guidance that we give you. Um, Also, what species we will get into what species fall under USDA's Federal Meat Inspection Act. Uh, and which ones do not? Uh, that's going to be key in determining the regulatory agency as well. Uh, who's your intended customer? There's a big difference between selling to the end consumer or selling to another business for them to resell it. Uh, what percentage is meat and poultry? Usually, if there's a, a very small amount of meat and poultry in the item, it won't fall under the same regulations. So, we need to figure that out. Are you selling the meat itself? or Are you selling the service? Meaning that um, if it's your animal and you're just paying somebody else to have it slaughtered and processed uh, and you're getting the animal back, uh, that's a little bit different. There's an exemption for that. Are they in state or out of state? That'll also determine if you're dealing with a federal regulatory agency or if you're dealing with us, with the state. Do you fall under an exemption? Talk about that and what about your label? So we'll go through each of those things. Like I said, it's a lot of information. Uh, Just remember that we're making this and I'm providing this presentation. To serve as a reference document, so uh, it is going to be a lot of information. It's going to be a lot of text, but it's going to be the kind of text you can go back and review later. And if any of you. Uh, would like the original source documents, or this presentation itself, I'd be happy to send it out to anyone. Okay, so getting started here with the regulatory agencies, uh, just want to show you first at the bottom. We have USDA, we have LDAF, FDA, and our local uh, DHH, Department of Health. So um, we're splitting these up right at the beginning. An important thing is what species is it. this particular group. We're focusing on beef, so it'd be in the left-hand category, species that do require inspection. Uh, They're considered amenable. It's a a word you'll hear a lot, but that just means that they require inspection. Uh, Beef being a traditional livestock species uh, along with swine, goat, sheep, and you'll see equine on there, but currently equine is not funded, so it's not necessarily illegal. It's just uh, USDA doesn't fund any equine inspection, so it's not uh, currently ongoing in the US. Um, other species we hear about a lot, farm raised deer, generally axis deer that slaughtered rabbit. Uh, occasionally some bison and you know, various other uh, non livestock, non traditional farm species of, of poultry also, but you see at the bottom, no white-tailed deer may be sold in Louisiana. That's a wildlife and fisheries regulation. Um, And it, uh, so any deer you see on the the shelf is generally either axis or uh, maybe red stag, something like that. So uh, the key here is for beef, we're gonna be on the left side with inspection. So it'll fall under either USDA or LDAF, USDA being federal meat inspection, and where state meat inspection. Who is it being sold to? So again, on the left, wholesale inspection versus retail permitted. Um, usually we say you get a grant of inspection or full inspection or the left two agencies and to have a permitted facility or retail falls under FDA or the Department of Health, uh, nine times out of 10 for those guys is gonna be Department of Health and we'll talk about them a, a little bit later so, uh, our specific programs under USDA, the Federal Meat Inspection, you'll hear about FSIS. Uh, a lot of documents, regu- regulations, policies, things like that you'll find on the internet are FSIS titled, uh, and just that's just synonymous with USDA. And for state, you see us uh, our meat and poultry inspection program and our compliance program and you can see the difference there in the inspection logos themselves with usda logos being round and ours being uh, more of a stops on uh, shape so all right what percentage is it usually this doesn't come into uh question unless it's something that just has uh you know an added ingredient to it say if A good example would be uh, the amount of sausage in a gumbo or, say, bacon bits on a potato, things like that, where it's just a very small amount. Uh, If it's less than 3% raw or 2% cooked meat, it does not fall under USDA's regulations. Therefore, it doesn't fall under our regulation. And anything that doesn't fall under USDA's defaults to your local health department. So that's a, a good thing to remember when we go with any of these things. If it's not amenable, then it falls to the local health department. Alright, so this looks complicated. I understand that um, but it's actually two different decision trees here. I've combined them just because uh, we plan on sharing all of these with you. Um, But as you can see, the one on the left being red meat slaughter and the one on the right being processing. Um, I made these just to try and make it a little bit easier for specific situations. Um, So maybe you have an idea of what you want to do, how you want to bring your animals to market. This might help you in deciding which agency to go with. Um, You can follow it down either the farmer line or the consumer line. Um, uh, with consumer, uh, the reason is, uh, going down there, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but it leads to custom exempt. We'll get in depth with that later. And as you see the left hand side, um, over here, it's a little more complicated because it is inspection. You're dealing with state versus federal, in state versus out of state, uh, whether or not it's actually being retailed, questions like that. But if you follow these down and you have a good idea of how you wanna sell your product, this should lead you to the agency um, that you're looking for. On the processing side over here, it as always gets a little more complicated, but as you see these lead down to all four agencies or um, this custom exempt here state inspection, federal inspection, splitting in half, leading down to these here. I don't have FDA on here, because generally FDA products are usually, uh, uh, you know, seafood or um, exported products, but uh, they are generally considered amongst the four, and the Department of Health tends to be an extension of the federal uh, Health Department. So, Let's see, personal use exemption. So uh, we'll cover a couple exemptions here. Uh, This being, I guess the most obvious, um, personal use. If you want to take your own animal and you slaughter it, you process it for your own consumption, members of your household, non-paying guests, it doesn't fall under the Federal Meat and Poultry Inspection Act, okay? Uh, that is exempted, and it is based on non-CFR 303.1. CFR, meaning Code of Federal Regulations, that is a federal regulation that lists out all products that are exempted from the Federal Meat, Meat Inspection Act um, if you want to see the actual uh, wording of this in writing, but Yes. If it's all done by you for you, it is exempt. The next one is more complicated, but also what most of you, I imagine, would be interested in uh, custom processing. This would be where it's your own animal that you are bringing to a custom exempt slaughter processing facility. They could be custom for slaughter, they could be custom processing. Typically they're both, but not always. So that might be something that you would want to find out. Um, whether they are custom inspected and slaughter, I mean processing and slaughter, um, or if they're inspected, processing and slaughter, uh, you'd want to see exactly what that facility has been approved to do uh, to make sure that they can meet your needs. So again, this is listed in that non-CFR 303.1 regulation. Uh, but basically it is your animal and you're gonna use their butcher service, but you're getting your animal back and it's for your own consumption or your household or non-paying guests. Uh, very important, these products are marked not for sale. They cannot be sold. There's. No commerce that's going on here. Except for one thing you have to remember that this is based on this. This exemption starts when the actual animal is. Delivered to the slaughterhouse, so. Uh? Let's see, we will get into direct marketing here in just a second where. uh, where you can use this exemption to your advantage if you are trying to sell your animals from your farm uh, to other people, you can sell the live animals. But uh, see, we'll talk about that in a second, Um, but just know that these custom exempt facilities are not automatically exempted. They apply for custom exemption for that custom exemption from the Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry. We oversee them. We check in on these places uh, generally once a quarter right now, uh, unless there's some kind of problem at the facility, we'll go more often, but usually uh, we check in on once a quarter and keep tabs on them. Uh, Usually have a a fairly close working relationship with these facilities. And uh, if you want to see what custom exempt facilities are out there on right now, You can see here I have the website listed at the bottom, but as always, you can Google LDAF meat and find that list of the facilities. It's right above, we have a big map on there and I'll show you that at the end of the presentation as well. So let's get into direct marketing. So direct marketing is extremely useful. If you're a farmer, you're raising beef and you wanna sell them to people, A lot of times people are selling them over Facebook um, or just, you know, other social media, anything like that. It's become very popular, especially in this uh, COVID landscape that we're in right now. Um, But yeah, you can sell your live animals, as you see, uh, and deliver the live animals to the processing plant for the customers. Uh, But we're we're dealing with live animals at this point. The animal must be placed in the owner's name before slaughter. Very, very important. Once the animal is processed, you can deliver them for a fee or as a courtesy. Uh, You can sell a live animal to more than one person as long as the animal is registered in each owner's name prior to delivery. So what... uh, The sticking point with this is that you've got to line all this stuff up beforehand so that can be difficult. Um, It can't be sold after delivery to people, uh, to your customers. Everything's got to be set in stone before you deliver it to that slaughterhouse. The. The inspector, if they're there or the slaughterhouse themselves can ask you for a list of your customers or the, the owners of this animal before it's delivered, and you have to provide that to them um, because they have to know who whose name this is being slaughtered in. So uh, once it goes there, it's going to be marked not for sale, which for direct marketing, that's not a problem because the sale has already taken place. Um, and where you run into a little problem here is what if one of the people that you sold it to, say you have... Let's say you have one animal, you sell it, you you divide it up, you have, say, four packages where you're selling the live animal, plan on splitting it four different ways. Um, Then one of the people backs out. Well, you've still got a live animal. So remember, they can't back out after the animal is slaughtered because the sale has to take place beforehand so uh, we do see a lot of times because that's so inconvenient a lot of people want to receive the product and then pay Um, but you're using an exemption basically to get around inspection and it's allowed because it's such a small amount of people involved in this. It's not going to be a widespread like recall type situation. Uh, That's why this is allowed, but. You're you have to have the the sale done beforehand. That way you don't have problems on the back end with somebody backing out Uh, and you're left with a quarter of that animal that you weren't planning on eating is uh, is now marked not for sale and you can't get rid of it. So. Had the sale completed beforehand, uh, it's definitely a big deal with this this exemption. So uh, let's see. Private labeling, another very common uh, request that we have is how do you do private labeling? Um, that's basically like I have here at the top: your animals, their butcher service, but you want to sell it wholesale. So the key here is that you're not doing this for your own consumption or your family's consumption. You're not trying to direct market it to one, two, three, or four specific people. You want to sell it to another store for them to resell it. So at this point, you've got yourself, you've got the butcher, slaughter plant, what have you, involved. And then you're going to have a third person here. You're going to have the actual business that you're selling it to. That's a wholesale sale right there. So whenever there's some kind of resale going on, that's wholesale. If you own the product, you are having it butchered, it's going to come back in this scenario with an inspection logo. That inspection logo on the product allows you to sell it to a local grocery store, sell it to a meat market, sell it to a restaurant, what have you. Um, For that, you can set it up with what we call private labeling, where on that label, instead of having the slaughterhouse or the processing facilities name on the label, you have your farms label or your company, whatever you would like, whatever you would like as the main focal point of the label. But it's going to be at the bottom, an inspection logo tying that product back to the plant that slaughtered it. So you'll have the inspection logo and it'll be that plant's number on there. Because of that, the label itself and the responsibility for that label goes through the actual uh, inspected establishment. So we, as a regulatory agency, deal with the inspected establishment on the creation and approval of that label. Uh, You uh, obviously have some influence over that, and a lot of times what we do is we ask the plant, do you mind if we deal with the farmer directly? Uh, It's their inspection logo number on there, so it's up to them, and generally, A private labeling inspected facility will want us to deal with the farmer directly just because it makes everything a lot smoother. You're not playing telephone um, and it goes a lot faster. So with private labeling, think you have your animals, you want a label on there that reflects your plant, your brand, your farm, what have you, um, that you can take to another store and sell to them and build your own brand recognition through that. So, uh, you can see here we have uh, you can have your animal slaughter process and package under inspection. Uh, you have to make arrangements with the owner if you want that private style label on there. It's not a problem generally except some inspected facilities will deal with that. It's more of a headache for the inspected facility. Uh, So some of them don't wanna mess with that. So you wanna definitely clear that with the facility before you get started uh, that they do accept private labels. So if you look at this section with private labels here, you can go down, they're created by the plant management or you the producer, Uh, your farm name can be on the display It will have a plant number, inspection logo and address. You see here where if you ever pick up a pack of sausage or uh, any kind of meat products that have a a full label on there, uh, a lot of times you'll see prepared for, packed for, distributed by. uh, And that address is usually the private labeler. Because generally people are trying to funnel any questions, business, what have you, back to their own brand rather than back to the inspected facility. Um, The label has to be approved by Louisiana Department of Ag and Forestry or USDA. Uh, The state LDAF, we approve every single label through the state. USDA has some generic label approval uh, uh, standards, but usually we have everything go through the state We approve 100% of labels just because that causes much fewer problems in the future. And it's generally uh, we deal with a lot of mom and pops or small organizations that may not have the staff and the research um, put into it that USDA plants do. Um, So a lot of times we're teaching people new to this how to do it. Um, So we like to approve everything and it just keeps uh, Keeps everything accurate, and we don't have to worry about having any kind of uh, product pulled off the shelves because the labels are wrong uh, after the fact. So we make sure everything's clean and good to go before we get started. Um, let's see. Plants may allow the producer to deal directly with LDF HQ for approval process, like I said, and our compliance side of meat inspection. Uh, will perform an annual review at the location where you're storing the inspected products. So there is a a registration that goes along with private labeling just because any product that has an inspection logo on it that's being sold somewhere is subject to uh, being inspected by us or by USDA. So uh, USDA has their sign up forms for private labelers and we have ours um when you go to get your label made just talk to us about it and we'll we'll help you out with that Uh, but let's see so limitations so if you go to a state inspected facility um, the product may only be sold in the state of louisiana that is a a big uh, restriction for some people but while we have tried for years to uh, get this Inequality remedied, uh, we still haven't been able to, um, but we're always working on that, so uh, keep up with that. Let's see, USDA products may be sold nationwide or in fact globally, actually. Um, you cannot buy or sell meat without it being slaughtered under inspection. Uh, currently, there's only one USDA red meat uh, slaughter facility in Louisiana. Well, there's 14 state inspected red meat slaughter facilities, five of which do private labeling. So you might ask why if USDA allows you to have uh, such a larger distribution range, why aren't all of these other facilities USDA? Uh, Generally, it's because USDA inspection is tougher to sign up with. They don't offer the same outreach that the state program does. um, and uh, some, a lot of times plants apply to USDA and USDA doesn't uh, allow them to come under inspection for any number of reasons. Sometimes it's USDA staffing issues, um, but generally speaking, it's, it's a whole lot easier to be under the state inspection for that, just because we're here, we're close, and we are willing to uh, share a lot more information With these plants to help them uh, get off the ground and they tend to uh, stay under state inspection so hopefully one day we'll get the uh, the distribution restriction lifted but uh, you know not right now so next thing here I have just some examples of what small inspect inspected facilities may look like and this is by no means a typical layout because none of our plants are typical. <laughs> they all have their own ideas about where things should be placed, how large different sections should be. Uh, that's not the point of this. The point of this is just to show you the types of rooms and facilities that are in these inspective facilities. If you're one of these people that are looking to build your own facility, um, this should give you a good idea of the type of, uh, of rooms that we're looking for for an inspected facility. And you'll see um, in both of these, that there'll be some office areas for management and offices for the inspector. Uh, That's a regulatory requirement um, to have a place for the inspector itself in that facility. So keep that in mind. If you're starting to work with your architect or what have you, um, but yeah, generally just a a, a good idea helps to get started. If you are looking to to uh, build a place or buy an older place and renovate it, just give us a call and we can help you out with that. Uh, we don't give specific designs, but we can let you know uh, what's expected of these types of facilities, so so you can better predict and better gauge what's going to be uh, what it's going to take to get it off the ground. So. All right, so the next thing here is labeling inspected product. So, generally, this is what we're trying to create. So, uh, this is a generic raw beef label, Um, just beef cuts. You can see here it's got several parts to it, including the the name of the farm itself. And this is a, a private label. Um, so you'd have the name of the farm, you'd have the species over to the left, you'd have the specific cuts where this is called a checkoff label, where you would just check off whatever it is, um, that you have been packaging and affix this label, make sure it's accurate. There's a spot at the bottom for the net weight. Uh, you got the address and keep refrigerated, keep frozen, uh, because it is raw product and safe handling instructions. With this one, this is a beef sausage product. You can see it's a little bit different. Um, it has cooking instructions on it. Um, and you also see manufactured by and has the plant name on there. Um, you can also have distributed by and have the private labelers address there as well. It just has to have an address. Uh, you see ingredients are always listed most to least and a um, little bit different but uh, there are ways you can modify this. So this is by no means the only way to create a label or the only way to design a label. So uh, we can talk with you with specifics on any of these things. So um, this is our label approval process here. Uh, As you can see in step number two is, uh, we do have a specific person here in this office, mr Gao. he is our label guru we like to call him and he knows an awful lot about a lot of different products and uh generally people call and consult with him and he'll steer you in the right direction um, but you can look through this uh process if that's what you're looking to do i'm not going to go over all the the items here but uh this could be very helpful for you uh, a lot of people find this this process confusing, so we try to simplify it here for you and. You uh, like say give giving gives us a call on the phone usually helps straighten out a lot of any uh, a lot of confusion that people have. Uh, we also have here the general label requirements uh, like we were talking about earlier. Just more information about each one of these and uh, regulations in case you wanna see exactly why these things are required or in what situations they're required. Um, But you see on the bottom, uh, did wanna point out though nutrition facts are uh, not always required. So you'll wanna check and see generally uh, a small uh, a low volume product is not going to require nutrition facts on there, which is a good thing for you, because a lot of times people uh, having the nutrition facts run, if you cannot find it generically, um, it, it costs a good bit of money. So uh, if you got just a, a raw single ingredient product, you can probably find the ingredient facts online without a problem. But uh, some people like to put it on there just for their customers' benefit, but it's not generally a requirement for low volume products. All right. So, our next exemption well, sorry, not an exemption, retail permitted product. So, we just got through talking about inspected product. Um, So, what is retail permitted? In this case, your animals inspected, and I say inspected there because. Any animal that's being sold has to be slaughtered under inspection. With this retail permitting, we're talking about selling it down the line, so any meat that I said animal, but any meat that's sold has to be has to come from an inspected source, an inspected animal. Let's see. The reason the custom worked earlier is because you sold the live animal. You didn't sell the meat. Um, In this case, you're selling the meat, so the meat has to come from an inspected slaughterhouse. All right, so after it's inspected, you would further retail process it and then it's sold to the end consumer. When I say retail processed it, as you see, it's overseen by the Louisiana Department of Health or LDH or by FDA for exports. Permits are issued by your local parish sanitarian. So, to get a permit to sell retail, meaning sell directly to the end consumer, you need to contact your local parish health unit, and the specific title of the person is a parish sanitarian. So, uh, they would be the default regulatory agency for non amenable species and trace amounts of meat and poultry products. Meaning, if it doesn't fall under USDA or us, Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry, if it doesn't fall under our regulations, it defaults to the Department of Health. Um, a lot of times people call up Department of Health for say access deer or something like that, and they're told to contact the Department of Agriculture, um, but it actually does fall under their jurisdiction. So usually we'll have to bounce them back. And I personally don't like, like if somebody calls, I like to answer all their questions. I don't like to bounce them around to another agency. Uh, So this is kind of frustrating, but as you can see, if it doesn't fall under our regulation, it defaults back to the Department of Health. So this retail permit is for over-the-counter sales to the end consumer. It's not for anybody to resell it. So if that's what your plan is, this retail permit's not going to help. It might help with another aspect of your business, but in this particular case, it's to the end consumer. You can also use it for internet direct sales to the end consumer. You cannot sell meat to another business over the internet without being inspected, without having that inspection logo on that product. So. If you had an animal slaughtered under inspection. But then it was further processed under retail. Say at a a specialty meats place or something like that, um, a deli, that sort of thing. You can't then turn around and sell that product. To somebody else, the retail permitted, it goes to the person who's going to be eating it or their household. Um, And that's the the end of that process. So if there's another transaction that takes place there, then that's wholesale. That's going to be something that would have required inspection. So uh, retail permanent product has to be made from USDA or LDAF inspected source material. Like I said, source material determines whether or not the product can be shipped out of state as well. It'd be whether or not you're going with the federal inspection or state inspection. And again, uh, federal inspection tends to be a little harder to come by, Um, plus you can't have an animal slaughtered under state inspection and then have it USDA inspected after that. So uh, if you're going USDA inspection, it needs to be slaughtered under USDA inspection and processed under USDA inspection. You can have it slaughtered USDA inspected And then have it processed state inspected, though. So keep that in mind as well. Um, Last thing no wholesaling amenable products. You know, amenable meaning it does require inspection. If you wholesale it without inspection, that's gonna be a problem. Um, And uh, we would basically uh, talk to you about it and then track down the product and pull it off the shelves so uh, with this retail permitted you can't involve a third party in the transaction so if you're planning out your business model and you've got a third party in that transaction uh, either it's definitely retail permitted or you have a complicated situation you can always call us and check and see where you think that would fall Um, we take anonymous calls too you know we're more interested in getting it out there what like letting people know what is legal and what is not, so that you can continue on. Um, but if you wanna call anonymously, no problem with that too. Give you all the same information. All right, so where can you ship meat products? We already covered some of this. Uh, it depends on the type of wholesale inspection logo that's on the source material. Remember the round logo, USDA, stop sign, state, uh, That state product. And USDA can be sent in state. Only USDA can go out of state. With Internet sales um, of this retail product, LDH, uh, non amenable product can be sent nationwide, and FDA product can be sent globally. So with amenable product, you see here the different scenarios, but uh, Basically, like we said, state product has to stay in state. We also have here a retail exemption, which some people have been interested in the past. Uh, It's dealing with very small amounts of meat. uh, But uh, the key is here, it it allows you to sell to say uh, hotels, restaurants and institutions a, a percentage amount has to be sold direct to consumers. It's got a uh, a maximum dollar value to this exemption. But the big take home and why this isn't just the 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 full opening of the floodgates, uh, as it might appear to be for a lot of people, is you still have to be retail permitted in this situation. So when you hear the word exemption when it comes to a lot of these things, Exemption doesn't mean you're totally free and clear of all laws of the state or the country. It just means you're exempted from one specific thing. And usually that one specific thing is day-to-day inspection. Uh, So uh, again, if you have specific questions about that, I'd be glad to answer anything. I wanted to include here some of the primary source documents that we used. Um, These are all federal. Uh, sources here because we are a cooperative extension of USDA. Uh, Like I said, we get our policies and regulations through them, so if you want to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, it's right here. But what we do is we take these kind of uh, generally complicated documents and try and simplify them. um, Let's see if you want to contact us. Ours is the second one on this list here, but if you're interested in USDA, you can contact the Dallas District Office. Doretta Dunn is the person in that office that uh, works with uh, new applicants, so you can call her directly. Uh, For us, you can talk to anybody in our office. Um, FDA, you have specific contact information there, and for the Department of Health, I have on here two websites. That's because with Department of Health, you need to call your parish's health unit, or if you're in a very rural parish, you probably wanna call the larger, um, say if you're in a rural parish next to a larger city, a lot of times they don't put a parish sanitarian in uh, those offices they'll have a health unit in the next parish over that has a sanitarian. they'll cover your parish so just know that's the case this website that i have listed here takes you to a map of the state where you just click on your parish and it'll pull up what uh, types of health department facilities are in your parish sometimes they have a health unit sometimes they have a parish sanitary and sometimes they don't so uh Here I have a picture of our website that I've been talking about. Like I said, complicated address, but if you Google LDAF meat, uh, the first link will be to here where you will see a list of current state inspected meat and poultry facilities. Um, And uh, you have a link for applicants right underneath the map. And that second link, helpful resources, is where you'll find a lot of the information that you've seen in this presentation. And there's a whole lot more there too. Uh, especially if you're looking to open a facility um, or just want to know more about uh, meat inspection requirements and whatnot, they're all it's all listed in there. So Obviously, with this not being a live session, won't have any live questions, but if you do have any questions, by all means, get them to me, get them to Dr. Edwards, and we will try and help you out any way we can. Thank you all very much. I have been Brian Miller, and uh, I look forward to talking to you. All right,
0: that's perfect. Thank Thank you so much. I know uh, there was so much information here that that is going to be useful and I'm sure you'll probably still have a good influx of questions coming in your way. Um, So, like you said, you can contact him or you can contact me as well. Uh, I will have all my contact information in the video and podcast description below. Um, So please feel free to reach out to me um, if you have any general questions about our beef brunch series. So one more thing, Brian, if you don't mind, stop sharing your screen and I'm going to share something real quick.
1: All right.
0: So that should be good. Um, hopefully, y'all can see this. So if you don't mind, uh, we do ask that you please take a survey at the end of end of each webinar that we watch, and this just helps us continue with our beef brunch educational series. It also gives you the chance to tell us what you what information you would like to hear. Um, so, the easy way to do this is to open your fu- uh, the camera Excuse me, on your phone. You can view this little QR code here on the right. You'll see a banner pop up, and you can click that, and it takes you straight to the survey. I also will have a link to the survey in the video and podcast description as well. Um, I think it's five questions. It doesn't take you but two to three minutes, and again, um, it is very essential for us um, to be able to continue on with our programming. So with that, thank y'all all all for watching, and thank you, Brian, again for being with us um, today. All
1: right, glad to.